Hello, everyone, and welcome back to How to Chess, a weekly chess improvement podcast and YouTube show. We have a fantastic guest, a legendary guest joining us this week. He is the eight-time Russian champion, and of course, he is a chessable author of Lifetime Repertoires, The Grunfeld. And obviously, there's many things we can talk about with this guest. I have a topic in mind, but first, let's welcome him to the show. Grandmaster Peter Svidler, thank you for joining us. Hi, Ben. Hi, listeners viewers i don't really know anymore yeah it's only the eyes and ears that we don't have any um smell type uh <laughs> method of consumption so it's, just listeners it's, it's and coming viewers. soon i'm sure everything <laughs> yeah, exactly everything um, is in the pipeline yeah it'll be coming soon i agree um so the topic again with peter with a legend like grandmasters fiddler there's so much we could talk about but i wanted to highlight a topic i heard him mention in a lecture he gave for the u.s chess school um Peter talked about, he, Peter, of course, is famously modest. Uh, it's hard to get him to praise himself when it comes to his chess game, but he did admit that he's a strong practical player. So I thought that that might be a, a fun thread to pull on. So the topic that we're going to address with Peter is what it means to be a good practical player. And it's tough to teach, but nonetheless, we're going to try to extract a few lessons from him. So Peter, you ready to dive into this topic? Uh, yeah, as usual, well, you know, my, my, my all, all, all the usual disclaimers follow here. I, I am not the teacher of any kind. I always feel extremely self-conscious, uh, you know, even pretending to be teaching chess for like 10 minutes straight. I, um, and, and the topic you've chosen is a topic that is dear to my heart because, as you said, like this is the one thing I, you know, I am at peace with the idea that I'm good at this, which is uh, kind of rare, rare for me. But uh, it's something that is kind of difficult to quantify, difficult to pass on. But uh, it's it's a, definitely a topic very much worth worth discussing because uh, m much of uh, how chess is you know being practiced uh, is well practice. Uh, yeah, yeah. That wasn't a very good English sentence, but uh, that side of the game is extremely important and uh once you depart you know the lofty heights of the absolute elite uh it probably is like 99 percent of what you should be uh what will sort of decide the the result of games uh because you know the the, the value and uh, the importance of let's say detailed opening preparation diminishes sharply uh as you as you go, uh, you know, from the from the elite round robins towards like the the, the people playing in Swisses, the people playing in club events, and so on. And uh, uh, yeah, well, it's it's an it's an interesting topic, but obviously it's a topic that is uh, kind of difficult difficult. It's slippery. It's difficult to nail on. It's uh, uh, there's a lot there to unpack. Yeah, there is. Well, let's start by trying to to define it, Peter. So, um, of course, it's the classic thing where maybe you know it when you see it or know it when you hear it. But to you, Peter, what does it mean to be a good practical player? Uh, yeah, in the little break we had before we started recording, I gave it some thought, and uh, uh, in particular because of the like, if we if we stay sort of on top of uh, the the current events, we we just watched a very very interesting final of the AIM Chess. Uh, tour event, uh, which Magnus won uh, in two days against uh, Vladislav Artemiev. And uh, Magnus was full of praise for his opponent, I, I think deservedly. I think Artemiev is 
uh, a, a very, very exciting talent. And while we were highlighting, uh, and Artemiev himself in a, in a post-match interview said that he clearly understands that uh, the, the one area of his game where he's somewhat lacking is is opening prep, which is not the topic of today's discussion. And when he play, when he feels when he plays against the absolute best, this is the, the most clear area where he needs to improve. Another thing that uh, clearly was a major factor in how that match played out uh, was was time management, and I think time management is a is a very easy area to start with uh, because uh, it's it's something that is you know understandable on a very simple level, but not very easy to improve. And uh, even even for very strong players, uh, as we've seen there, or, you know, there are some other famous examples, of course, my friend Alexander Grisha probably being, you know, the, <laughs> the, the poster child for somebody who is unbelievably good at chess while also being in time trouble every single game. Um, but... It is. It is something. It, it, it is an area where you can you can definitely try to make adjustments because uh, you know not everybody is Grishuk, but uh, if you, if you do have those issues, I think uh, teaching yourself to to optimize optimize your approaches, teaching yourself, for instance, to identify where the choice is either very very clear cut. It's another like hobby horse of mine, and I'm sure you've seen me talk about this because I almost in- invariably this is something that comes up when people ask me for like a single useful bit of advice is identifying when the decision in front of you has to be made regardless of what the resulting position will lead to is will, will save you an unbelievable amount of time over the course of your career. So, Peter, could you discuss a little more what you mean by putting weights on different moves and any advice you could share on that front would be much appreciated. Yeah, as usual with, with the practical side of things, you you do, I think, the, the only way really to, to teach yourself that is through experience or, you know, potentially if you have access to like a friend who's good at the game or a good coach, uh, that is that is always very, very good uh, as a starting point. But... Uh, what I what I generally meant is uh, th- there are definitely some decisions uh, in, in most games of chess where uh, you absolutely have to stop and uh, work out what's going on because a wrong a wrong decision there will cost you will cost you the game or perhaps even if not the entire game it will like severely diminish your chances of a good uh, of a good result but plenty of decisions in every single game are. You know, you can find an optimal one, but it will result in you know investment of energy and and time on the clock, which uh, I'm sure, for instance, Sasha will disagree with me violently on this, <laughs> and uh, and I'm pretty sure this is why he is in time trouble every single game because for him, uh, the idea that it is possible not to look for the best move in every single position seems to be anathema, but. For for me, as a as a as with you know, as described as somebody who I think is more more practically uh, orientated, uh, there will be plenty of spots where uh, the the choices between two or three moves which are uh, roughly equivalent, and uh, 
you do have to, uh, I think, be reasonably reasonably okay with just making a choice based on, you know, how you feel at the time, uh, what appeals to you most. Because very often, another side of it is that even in quiet positions, even in positions where seemingly nothing, uh, you know, uh, not much, not much is going on. Precisely, maybe precisely in those positions, uh, going in depth can can really suck you in and uh, prevent you, you know, cause decision paralysis and prevent you from from really venturing along any of the uh, any of those paths. And uh, this is this is something that. Uh, as I mentioned, it's it's not very easily quantifiable. It, I don't I don't offer a heuristic which will which will immediately make you much better at this. But uh, it's it's definitely something to at least consider whether uh, w- whether you need to be uh, aiming to make the best move in every single position. Um, I don't know how big of a problem this this is for uh, for people. I perhaps you know the the entirety of my uh, of my position on this topic is completely irrelevant because people don't actually look for best move in, best moves in positions very often outside of you know freaks of nature such as such as Sasha who is you know he is just constantly in, seemingly engaged in search for uh, actual truth in every single uh, in every single position he encounters but uh, it's it's something to think about uh, and. Uh, you know, accepting that you don't know what the best move is, but if you're convinced the move you're making is 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 good, just making the move and uh, you know saving uh, saving energy for when the decisions really matter uh, is is something I know that I do. For instance, I don't know <laughs> I don't know if it's great advice, but it's definitely something that has worked for me over the course of my career. Well, it is good advice. And a lot of club players are wildly impractical, let me tell you, just as your aforementioned friend, Sasha, even though he's an amazing player, as you mentioned, uh, from the outside, sometimes it appears that that he's not super practical with his decision making. So Peter, we've only got a bit of time left. But one question I had in hearing you discuss this is how conscious is your decision-making framework? Like if you have a position where there's three relatively equal moves, do you, do you feel like often when it's your move, you immediately realize that, or do you catch yourself thinking and then have to tell yourself, Oh wait, it's not that important. I just need to move. Uh, I, I always start from a, from a view, unless the position really is like sometimes you just know the you know the price of the move, so to speak, is not very high, and whichever one you choose will not really harm you very much and will not gain you very much either. But I always start by trying to to figure things out. But if let's say the first I don't know the first two passes over over the position don't really convince me either way, and it seems like you know nothing bad is happening in in any of those uh, in any of the with any of those choices and also none of them seem to be you know significantly better than the other i often just pick on feel i in particular on good days uh with with players of my ilk let's put it like this you know uh uh you do get to recognize when you have a reasonably clear brain day you know when <laughs> uh when y- your brain appears to be you know, corresponding to to demands and and actually, you know, working in reasonably in reasonably good order, and then for me, I find that it's it's very useful to just sort of let let my experience and my 
my general instincts, just let it drive because uh, very often mistakes in on days like this, mistakes very often come from overthinking things, from you know going for another round of calculations instead of just trusting that the move I've chosen is correct. Uh, this also is obviously you know a hashtag first world problems, and uh, <laughs> it's maybe not as relatable as I think it is, but uh, it's it's something that I found true uh, true for myself that once you you know you, you, your experience is extremely valuable and you know you've amassed it for a reason. Uh, so you, you might as well, you might as well try to use it, uh, and, uh, and trusting yourself in situations where you feel like you can be trusted will save you, uh, will save you a lot of energy, will save you a lot of, uh, heartache potentially. Okay. So I feel like we've got some great tips there, Peter, one more before we let you go, even though we're over on time. Um, if we were to say, review some rapid games, review uh, a broadcast archive, who would be some good players to key in on in terms of being uh, practical modern players aside from yourself? The first, let's let's follow my advice from ten seconds ago and just go with my go, go with my initial feeling on this. First name that came to mind is Vishen. Okay. Uh, not that you know any anybody of that caliber will be a very very good practical player. I don't think you get to that level without being one. But the first name on my team sheet there would be Vishen. Vishen, I think, had an extremely good understanding of, uh, you know, how to approach chess as a board game, apart from being an unbelievably well-prepared, unbelievably uh, positionally and tactically gifted player. He also uh, knew exactly when to play quickly, when to slow down, uh, you know, how to apply himself to various situations. So, yeah, I would start with him. I think he is phenomenal in that respect. Okay. Well, we're going to have to leave it there, but Peter, thank you. This has been uh, incredible to hear your insights and hopefully we can all be a bit more practical going forward. We can dream, right? Thank you. I, I think I've kind of occupied your time saying the same thing over and over. But, <laughs> Modest uh, as ever. No, it was quite helpful. Thank you, Peter. Um, and what a privilege to hear from Grandmaster Svidler. Of course, as he says, something like being a practical chess player, it is easier said than done. It is hard to just tell someone what to do and then have them do it. He mentioned his friend, uh, Grandmaster Alexander Grushuk, one of the best players in the world who often uh, finds himself in time trouble, which brings me to point number one of my three improvement takeaways. Number one, manage your time. Again, easier said than done, but when you're playing a tournament chess game, you might have 30 minutes for the whole game, you might have two hours, but whatever it is, you've got to give some time, some thought to pacing yourself and make sure that just because a decision strikes you as interesting, you don't spend all your time on it. You've also got to think about how much time your opponent is using. And a way to do this brings us to point number two, which is try to mentally assign weight to different decisions. If you find yourself hemming and hawing about uh, which move to make on like move seven in a closed position, it's probably not going to determine the outcome of your game. Again, easier said than done, but you should really try to save your time for those moments where there's pieces flying all over the place and calculation could really be rewarded. And as uh, Grandmaster Sfiddler said, 
that is something that he feels that he is better at. And number three, it was fun to see his face kind of light up when he talked about learning from Grandmaster Viswanathan Anand. Of course, the former world champion, as he said, is going to be amazing at all aspects of the game. He's not just amazing at one thing. And Grandmaster Anand, of course, is legendary for being just an extremely skilled fast player, especially in his youth. So maybe it's even unfair to think about learning from Anand when it comes to practical chess. But nonetheless, we're lucky here in the information age that so many of Grandmaster Anand's rapid games are archived online. So even more so than just playing through the moves, you can watch the replays and try to give conscious thought to positions where maybe he doesn't know if it's the best move. Um, I mean, of course, no one ever knows, but where he maybe doesn't even have a strong inkling, but he knows that you've got to keep the clock moving. You've got to put the pressure on your opponent. So he just makes the move. So again, always fun to get some chess wisdom from Grandmaster Swidler and what a privilege to have him join us. So I hope you all enjoyed this edition of How to Chess and we will catch you all next time.